The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you are a small business owner or entrepreneur, a coach is important to keep you on trend, relevant, and competitive. Welcome to ESCN, an iCoach 360 production. Your host is Michael Dawson, along with co-hosts Angelia Hobson and Diane Daniels. If you're looking to launch or grow your business, listen to what our guests have to say about winning in the game of business and important industry topics. Now, here's your host, Michael Dawson. Good morning. Welcome to ESCN, an iCoach360 production, a company that takes entrepreneurs from dreaming to doing by providing discussion topics as well as services to assist them in launching, growing, and shifting their business needs. Hi, I'm your host, Michael Dawson, with Angelia Hobson and Diane Daniels. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. During our initial show, we heard from Brent Novoselsky, president of RFPC, a division of the National Football Players Association Chicago chapter. Today we are going to hear a full interview recorded at our ESCN launch party. We look forward to expressing our thoughts and hope that you guys get something very beneficial from our interview with Brent Novoselsky. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, and set up Brent's interview a little bit, take a second. So he talks a lot about his educational background, and we'll hear so much about it in the interview. Diane can attest to it as as we've sat with Brent and kind of listened to his process about how he was very methodic and very strategic about knowing that um, his education was his backup plan to his professional football career. So he went into that knowing that that could be over relatively uh, soon, that it could be a short career as a lot of them are. Uh, he talked about leaving it all on the field. He talked about determination and how important that was, not only on the field, but off the field. And so how he came back to uh, go into the career that he went into. So it's a really exciting interview. Right. And so that vision that he talked about was really a key for him and that he set a vision for himself to play. And he had to have the want to, as he described. And so that vision led him to develop a plan. And as his career progressed as his college career and his professional career progressed. Um, he talked about just making adjustments to that plan, but making sure he had a dream beforehand. And so those are really, really important things when it comes to entrepreneurial efforts and even just life in general. But that's how we make the connection between this entrepreneurial effort and, you know, sports careers and professional athletes having to really think about what it takes to transition from one to another. But it's all about having the vision and developing a plan and working that plan to the extent that um, it transitions to um, success. There's definitely a correlation in my mind as well between establishing your plans on the athletic field as well as in your business career. Uh, It takes the self-determination, the extended hard work, and just kind of closing out all those naysayers that come along during the process. Uh, We come up in life and we put ourselves in a position to excel most of the time, but then we look at other people, we hear other people, and we back off our our intended goals. So it sounds like Brett, like most athletes who have made uh, the top tier in their career, has persevered and kept moving in the right direction in terms of uh, achieving their goals. Yeah, and so he's going to talk a lot about that. And just to set it up a a little bit more, Brent is a former Minnesota Viking and a former Chicago Bear. Uh, Hearing how he got to the sport was uh, exciting. And then uh, what he was able to do with what he learned and all those things. And we'll talk about it a little bit more at the wrap-up of the interview. But all the opportunities that he availed himself to throughout uh, his career. So whenever they were on breaks and summers and he would go in and intern. So you'll hear more about that when that, that's coming up. But 
a very intriguing interview, probably one of the best interviews to date. Right, so, one of the best interviews to date. But, you know, one of the key things to listen out for is, you know, what kind of relationships he built, you know, and, and how he used relationships over his full um, almost adult life to uh, help him fulfill his vision. Okay, at this time, we're going to tune into part one of Brett's interview. He shares how he turned his dreams into reality. We're here this morning with iCoach ESCN with Brent Novoselsky, former Chicago Bear, Minnesota Vikings. Brent, thanks a lot for coming out this morning. And let's start just basically by giving us your background of how you got started in the game, your love for the game, and so forth. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, my love of the game started, I grew up in the 70s in Skokie, Illinois. Uh, middle class, uh, working class type. Uh, we had a Basically, we had a, a cul-de-sac that we lived on. So the cars didn't come down it a lot. So what we would do is we would play Nerf football. And we would play two-on-two -two Nerf football. Play with my neighbors, play with my brother. And I always play with the older kids. And I could catch the ball. And, and there's one thing I could catch was a Nerf football. And I got really, really good at it. And the coolest thing about it is I got better at running patterns. Of course, we run the button hook behind the Volkswagen. And you take a shot, you know, you run the post. To the uh, to the sewer, you know the sewer, and you know the the um, the curb would be out of bounds, and then we'd have to wait till it snowed to play tackle because we didn't want to oh, really right. hurt anybody. Uh, but what I found is the harder that I work, uh, the better I got, and I just I loved that feeling of being able to run patterns and the wind in my hair and then a ball coming, turning around, being able to catch it, and just getting better and better at it. So to me, it was about just always playing against the older kids, always setting that, you know, trying to be uh, as good as I can be. And it was just the fun of the game, the love of the game, just the pure joy of being able to run, jump, catch, and, and the beauty of that. Uh, I just always took to it. So so when did you know from that player on the streets and that culture sack that, you know, I would get that chance not only play in high school, but go to college. When did you have that? Did you have that dream then of in that cul-de-sac or around that button hook, around that car? Hey, maybe I could do this one day in the NFL. How did that start? How did that happen? So being a Jewish kid from Skokie and going to Niles <laughs> North High School, which wasn't really a football mecca, uh, never really dreamed of playing. I, I dreamed of playing. I actually dreamed of playing Major League Baseball. Oh, wow. Okay. I was a catcher for 10 years. Johnny Bench was my favorite player. Uh, I was a great defensive catcher. I was okay on offense. I just couldn't hit a curveball. So that's what, what pushed right. me in football. Now, you know, I, I wanted to play uh, pop more in football. My mom wouldn't let me. She said, you can play in high school if you want. So I went and I played in high school. And the only reason I, I picked tight end was it was the shortest line. Uh, when they lined up in the gym, they said, okay, what position do you want? And I just looked and said, well, I'll go to that one because it's short. <laughs> Smart. Didn't really know what it was right, all about. Right. Uh, hated practice from the get-go. Just did not like practice. But I enjoyed the games. I enjoyed catching the ball. And you know what? I enjoyed the process. Uh, but more importantly, I knew what that, that end game was going to be. Uh, for me, it was uh, just to be the best person that I could be, the best player that I could be. I really didn't have any, you know, the dreams weren't really to play in the pros. The dreams were once I started playing at the the high school level was to be able to trade that ability in and get a good education. Which definitely is something that, of course, you've been able to, to accomplish. And you talk a little bit about transitioning from, from high school to, to college. And you weren't a guy that was recruited heavily. You weren't a guy that was offered scholarships from this school or that school, Big Ten, whatever. How did you get through that point? What were your what was your thought process in moving forward and still wanting to play uh, college football? Well, Michigan had offered me a chance to walk on, and I just wanted to go to school there, get my business education. If I could play football there, that would be phenomenal. You know, I went to a camp there, and Anthony Carter came, and, and it was really cool to, to see that and to walk on the field and the, the you know the M on the field and all that, but. They didn't come through with a promise to me. They, they promised to pay my application fee. That was it. And then I was going to walk on and go to business school there. Well, they never paid my application fee. I wound up paying my application fee, which was $15. <laughs> so when I got in, I got accepted. They said, hey, congratulations. We want to set up your housing. I said, no, you've lied to me about that. I'm not going to your school. And the reason that 
that occurred was I had met the University of Pennsylvania coach prior, went out to Penn, which I had no idea where Penn was. They said it was West Philly. I had no idea where Philly was. Right, right. You know, I'm, a, I'm a Skokie kid, so right. you're a thousand miles away and going to West Philly and Ivy League school. But the thing that got me there was the Wharton School of Business, one of the best business schools in the nation. It was a chance to go there to play a good brand of football. It was the kind of football that guys played because they loved it, and it was true student-athletes. You know, the coach would say, look, if you've got a test that you've got to go study for or you've got to go take, you're going to get out of practice because you're oh, well, a student first right. and then you're an athlete. And for me, it was just a blast because we actually had great teams at that time. We had turned the program around. We went through an undefeated season in 1986, my junior year. Beat Navy that year in their wow. homecoming. Wow. Uh, caught three touchdown passes then. And, and just loved the game. I loved, loved the, the process, loved the guys. And I didn't think I was going to go pro. I mean, I'm coming from an Ivy League school. You know, I'm a, uh, basically I'm a slow white Jewish kid from Skokie <laughs> playing in the Ivy Leagues. And I got an opportunity, free agent contract with the Bears. And that, that was just basically because my great uncle was really good friends with the McCaskies. So it's all networking. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. What has to, had to have been some skill in there as well. We're going to take a short pause for a commercial break. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 50 entrepreneurs, one weekend, dynamic results. Will you make over $1 million in your business this year? If not, you need to be here. The Breakthrough Business Challenge Weekend, October 9th through the 10th in Oak Brook, Illinois. Let's face it, we've all been kept awake by business concerns like, how can I launch and grow a successful business? And how will I finance it all? At the Breakthrough Business Challenge Weekend, you will meet with nationally recognized entrepreneurs, coaches, and industry leaders to work on your business and learn how to get clear about your future and align your activities to achieve your goals. Join our panel discussion on financing the dream with Wintrust Bank, VEDC, and former NFL player, now angel investor, Mr. Corey Mays. Are you ready for executable strategies that you can use on Monday morning? If so, get started today on your goals of becoming a better leader, creating your desired results, and building the life you dream of at the Breakthrough Business Challenge Weekend. Sign up today by calling 630-613-7360 or visit our website at www.bbcweekend.com. Space is limited. Secure your seat today. 630-613-7360 or visit our website at www.bbcweekend.com. IC3U, a premier virtual entrepreneurial university. Just like in sports, you need a great coach in the game of business. Enroll in IC3U for entrepreneurial skill and agility to play and win big. IC3U offers academically grounded curriculum coupled with practical application delivered to you globally and virtually. Our coaches are in the game with you from assessment to immersion. As you move through the program, you meet with course-specific experts to work on your tailor-made roadmap to success. Participants receive accelerated learning industry and client navigation skills, as well as a develop enhanced leadership capacity for sustainability. For your customized roadmap, send us a note at www.i-coach360.com or call us at 630-613-7360. Is your brand easily recognizable? Does your target market know exactly what you do? Innovative Concepts Unlimited helps small businesses promote their products and services, as well as showcase their stories of speakers and coaches. Our capabilities include cutting-edge media solutions, such as high-definition commercials, applications to keep you connected to your customers, and creative and graphic branding design. Get started today on the path to enhancing your brand. Call us at 708 516 
or visit our website at www.icunlimited.net. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to ESCN, and I coach 360 production. To reach our live program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send questions or comments to ESCN at i-coach360.com. Now, back to the show. We're back. Thanks so much for everyone tuning back in to ESCN and I coach 360 production. Now let's tune back into part two of the pre-recorded interview with Brent Novoselsky. Against all odds. So you had a great career with, at Penn. And then how did that work as far as you getting a call to, to go to the Bears camp? And what was it, the first few days of that like and, and being in that room with other free agents or even pros that are already on the team? What was that like for you? What were you thinking at that particular time? Well, it was interesting because uh, I got the call from Ted Phillips the day after the draft that they had signed me to a free agent contract. They gave me $1,500 to sign, which is about $861 net after tax. <laughs> and they gave me the minimum salary, which was 60000 bucks. So that next day, uh, everybody else from my school is going through commencement at Franklin Field. I'm on a plane coming back here from minicamp. Wow. They set me up at the hotel that was like a block away from where I grew up, from my wow. house. And we went through minicamp. My first... The first person I see in minicamp that I go to block, and, and we had helmets on. We didn't have pads on. First guy I line up against is number 72, which is William the Refrigerator Terry, <laughs> without equipment on. I go and I put my hands into his chest to block him, and my hands disappeared all the way up to my elbow. So that was the first guy I blocked. The first pass I ever ran, I look up. Here is Otis Wilson standing over me as, my, as a linebacker. I give him a little head move. He grabs the top of my head, throws me down. I get back up. I'm looking up at Dave Dewerson, who does the same thing. So oh, the wow. first pass pattern I ran, I never even got out of. <laughs> so it, that was very uh, eye-opening to me that, you know what, uh, this is not – this is going to be rough. This is going to be interesting. The fact that I was wearing 98 in camp as a tight end, uh, you know, I guess I couldn't wear a number 100. Um, but that was the thing that kind of told me, look, you, just, you work hard and, you know, it's got to be a little luck involved, but you got to really work. And, you know, having uh, Coach Ditka there, uh, he was very straight talker, very straight shooter. And, you know, basically when I got cut in training camp, he said to me, look, these are the things you need to work on, stay in shape because you never know. And what happened was Emory Moore had broke his leg third game of the season, and I got called in for the fourth game, and I wanted to play in the rest of the season. And, you know, that was a pretty interesting year. You know, Ditka uh, had his heart attack. It was the Fog Bowl. We played in a championship game. And because of injuries, the championship game against San Francisco, I played about three quarters of that game, wow. which was phenomenal. And then I went to Green Bay in the off season for Plan B because – uh, I was spending all my money on tickets for my family and friends, <laughs> and I needed to go a little farther away. 180 miles would be good. Uh, I got a signing bonus of $25,000 and $125,000 to sign uh, my base. Wow. So that was a business decision, and that turned out to be an interesting decision. I got cut the last cut of camp with Green Bay. I'd broken two cartilage in my ribs wow. in a scrimmage, and I uh, was wearing a flak jacket. And the coach, when he cut me, well, actually, it wasn't Lindy Infante who was the head coach because he never said a word to me. Uh, it was my position coach who said, hey, you know what? We loved you. You were good, except you seemed to slow down after the scrimmage. And I said, well, coach, I broke two cards in my ribs. I couldn't <laughs> breathe. That's why I slowed down. He said, well, sorry about that. Lindy Infante never said a word to me. Wow. And, and that really stuck with me because when Ditka cut me, he spent 20 minutes, and he spent 20 minutes with every single player. And the first thing he said to every single player was, hey, we really appreciate the hard work that you put in. You know, it's something to, to, to get that and to feel that. And, and, you know, he did it the right way. Uh, 
the good news is I got signed by the Bears the week after the season. Excuse me, the Vikings the week after the season started. And my last game that year was on Christmas night, and I caught a touchdown to put the Vikings in the playoffs and knock the Packers out of the playoffs. Wow. There, there is a reason, right? Karma, karma's right. tough, right? So, and then I got, I spent uh, six years up in Minnesota and had a great career there. Had over 100 special teams tackles. And you know what? Every year I was on the bubble. Every year I was, you know, fear is a great motivator. Right. And the fear that you're not going to have a job uh, is huge. And that's, you know, that's what drove me. Fear and, fear and want to. I had to want to to be better and I had to want to and the ability to work hard. So... Wow, that's that's a great story. So you went to Minnesota, played there for some years, and so so during the the time with the Vikings, when you know you say you live in that fear of not knowing if you're going to be there next year, and and then the injuries and things like that. As you get older, of course, there's always something nagging you. And you know, when was that decision made for you? Should I continue on, or should I you know move on with the next part of my life? I've got this business degree; I can go do whatever. What made you? make that decision well that was actually an easy decision because my last game was november 27 1994 second quarter against tampa bay and number 81 was returning the ball i have no idea what the guy's name is <laughs> number 81 really right uh but he was coming up the, the field i made actually a great tackle on him i i was able to flip him i, I caught him underneath under his knee unfortunately his knee hit my shoulder and knocked my disc out Ooh. in my neck so i was done but the great thing, the transition occurred for me was knowing Emery Moorhead, who Emery's last year with the Bears was my first year with the Bears. And Emery walked into minicamp with a briefcase and a suit because he was selling real estate at the time. And I got to talk with him and got to be friends with him. And, and you know, the great thing about talking with Emery was he started back in the 70s when these guys weren't making anything. So they had to work. Right. So he was working the whole time. And I looked at that and said, you know what? Um, yeah, uh, with my situation, I don't know when my last snap's going to occur. I better prepare that plan B afterwards. I've got the business education, but yet all of my schoolmates are now working their way up in business. I don't want to miss too much time for that. So I went out there and I was doing internships during the offseason at Mesero downtown. I worked at Lehman Brothers. I worked in the financial sector because I knew that was kind of where I wanted to go after. So when I was done, and it was, you know, guys tend to linger in this league if they can. You know, if they don't have that ability, if they slow down a little bit, they tend to linger. So they'll have a couple of years where they'll go to a lot of different camps, and they'll just be in kind of that, you know, in that, I call it purgatory, but it's in that right. limbo state right. Right. where they can't get on with their life because they've still got one foot back here. For me, that wasn't a problem because with my neck surgery, I was done. I mean, I got a plate and four screws in my neck. I actually got two plates and eight screws now. Wow. But back in, you know, back when I got that done, I went to the, to the um, Vikings doctor and I asked him, I said, look, if I get the surgery, would you clear me to play again? So there's no way. <laughs> so I just knew I was done. So that kind of put a, a real, you know, definite mark to say, you know what, you're done playing. And it was tough. Um, because, you know, I'd finally gotten into my own, but the reality of, of it was the last couple of years that I played every game or so, I would have concussion symptoms. So my sight lines would be messed up for about a quarter. And I would still play because I would just hit the opposite color jersey. <laughs> but if you threw me a ball, it would right. probably stick in my face mask because wow. I could not focus. And that concerned me. So that along with the neck injury you know, you've got a finite amount of time you can play this game. So I always knew that, you know, there's going to be something else. And I played for seven years. I doubled the average. And I was able to walk out and a couple months later pick a career as opposed to picking a job. And that's the other thing in this league. I see a lot of guys that retire. We're the shiny object guys. We're the ones looking, oh, there's an opportunity here. Oh, there's an opportunity there. there. And, and we don't stick with things. You know, it's kind of being goal-diffused. And that's – the problem is for – so long of your life. I mean, for me at the time, 29 years old, for 15 years, I was so focused on a goal, which was to play football and to get better. And there were certain things that you did to do that. And now all of a sudden you're given an open canvas to say, go ahead and create your life. And a lot of guys get lost in that because we're so used to being in that proverbial cage 
which is my schedule is set by somebody else. I know where I got to be every single hour. I know exactly what I got to do and I can work backward through that. Now, all of a sudden, it's free and easy. And that's how I think why a lot of guys find themselves in, in trouble is, you know, they're not used to dealing with that free range of here's opportunities, go and do it. There are a lot of bad things out there, a lot of bad, you know, ideas and investments right. and yep. jobs and career and, you know, you know, bars and restaurants that these guys invest in. But it's really, it's the guys themselves. I mean, the opportunities are always there. It's the opportunities that they choose and they can't just throw money at it. They've got to put that time and effort, same that they did while they played, into their business. And a lot of guys, I don't think, understand that or are willing to really do that. I think they need to take a little time to just chill out and just to give it, give it some time so that they can figure out what their next, uh, you know, what their next mountain to climb is. Yeah, that's a great story now and, and great lessons as well. We're going to take a short pause for a commercial break. We'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. If you're looking for a dynamic speaker for your next event, book Angelia Hobson. Angelia Hobson is an entrepreneur, an entrepreneurial coach, trainer, small business advocate, chief strategist, business developer, facilitator, speaker, and author. Her ability to communicate to individuals in large groups and to connect on a personal level have been demonstrated through her many public speaking engagements. She's lectured, taught, and spoken to groups at institutions of higher learning, church conferences, healthcare events, and corporate conferences across the country on topics including entrepreneurship, leadership, sales and business development, marketing and branding, occupational safety, as well as applications of spiritual teachings to create your best life. Passionate and funny, Angelia tells her personal story of strength, determination, tenacity, and a pursuit of legacy. Notable listeners have referred to Angelia as authentic, engaging, and electrifying. Her visionary message has been appealing to broad audiences throughout the years. Book Angelia today for your next event by visiting www.angeliahopson.com or call 630-613-7360. Again, the site is www.angeliahopson.com or call her at 630-613-7360. 50 entrepreneurs, one weekend, dynamic results. Will you make over $1 million in your business this year? If not, you need to be here. The Breakthrough Business Challenge weekend, October 9th through the 10th in Oak Brook, Illinois. Let's face it, We've all been kept awake by business concerns like, how can I launch and grow a successful business? And how will I finance it all? At the Breakthrough Business Challenge weekend, you will meet with nationally recognized entrepreneurs, coaches, and industry leaders to work on your business and learn how to get clear about your future and align your activities to achieve your goals. Join our panel discussion on financing the dream with Wintrust Bank VEDC and former NFL player, now angel investor, Mr. Corey Mays. Are you ready for executable strategies that you can use on Monday morning? If so, get started today on your goals of becoming a better leader, creating your desired results, and building the life you dream of at the Breakthrough Business Challenge Weekend. Sign up today by calling 630-613-7360 or visit our website at www.bbcweekend.com. Space is limited. Secure your seat today. 630-613-7360 or visit our website at www.bbcweekend.com.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to ESCN, and I coach 360 production. To reach our live program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send questions or comments to ESCN at i-coach360.com. Now, back to the show. We're back. Thanks so much for everyone tuning back in to ESCN. So on this part of the interview, this is the final part. This has been a really intriguing interview. He's talking about relationship building. And a little bit later, we're going to talk about how networking is not relationship building. Now let's listen to the rest of the interview. So for you, as you transitioned out of football, you went into the financial uh, uh, industry. How did you pave your way there? I know you did a lot of internships at different uh, companies. Where did you start out first, and then did you kind of use what you learned in football to some degree into what your business is like today? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I started a freshman year of college. I actually ran, uh, did an internship for Northwestern Mutual, downtown Chicago, cold calling in a room that didn't have any windows <laughs> with another guy who was going to school at Columbia. He was a lineman for, for Columbia, you know, Ivy League. So they put us both at the desks, and they gave us these – uh, D and B Dun and Bradstreet's mm-hmm. leads. You know, mm-hmm. we had the oh, yeah. we had the lead cards, <laughs> and we would just dial for dollars, and we were calling these folks up. You know about about health insurance, yeah. and we would get hung up on. And the funniest thing is, if somebody would give us some problems, we would hand it to the other guy, and we would just call him a bunch more. <laughs> so we had had fun with it, but there was nothing harder in this world. I don't care what you say. I ran downfield and blocked Tony Mandrich when he was in the wedge. On a kickoff, I got around and made a tackle. Right, I understand what looking down the barrel of these issues right, are. Right. There is nothing harder in this world than cold calling. <laughs> it's the worst. It I is. hate it. Right. So hated that. Didn't really like selling insurance at the time. And then I just kind of went on and, and did a couple other things. And then when I was playing, um, I went. My mother-in-law uh, said to me. When I was on the Bears, I hadn't married my wife yet, but we were dating for seven years. She said, look, you're going to marry our daughter. You're going to be successful. Go see a financial planner. I said, great. Who do you have? She had a guy at Mesro. I went and I saw him. Part of the plan that he did was asking me, well, what are you doing in the off seasons? And I told him, well, I'm lifting, I'm running, I'm playing golf. What else is there to do? He said, how would you like to come do an internship here? And I really liked the process. It was fee-based financial planning. Mm-hmm. It was back in the late 80s. And it was just coming on. And it, it, it intrigued me. So I worked there for five years, every offseason. So I'd work out in the morning with the Bulls because I was friends with the strength coach. <laughs> and then I would go in the afternoon. I'd catch a train down to Mesro And I'd do an internship there. And I was doing a lot of the backroom stuff. But right. it was intriguing to me. So to the point that we were recommending all these mutual funds, I wanted to find out what drove the mutual funds you know, stocks and bonds. Uh, so I went and got my Series 7 license on my own. And when I got my Series 7, the guy that I was working with decided he was going to be on his own up in Highwood. So he left. I went with him. Uh, now I had a license with no broker-dealer. Right. Called my brother-in-law, who's at Lehman Brothers, and said, hey, I got this license. The test was very hard. Oh, absolutely. I don't want to retake the test. <laughs> right. can, can I hang it? You don't it want to there? lose that license. Right. right. And he says, well, no, you can't hang it, but why don't you come work with us? So I wound up working for Lehman Brothers, okay. uh, which was a good thing because it showed me what I didn't want to do. I did not want to be a stockbroker. Uh, one of the guys there I was working with had been there 20 years, and I, I asked him. I figured I'd be a smart Ivy League kid, and I asked him. I said, well, what do you own in the market? And this was 1994. Okay, so right in the midst of one right. of the biggest bull markets. Right? right, absolutely. And he says to me, I don't own anything. I don't own anything in the market. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I've got a nice car. I own my home, but I don't invest in the market. I said, well, how do you sell something that you don't own? He said, it's simple. He says, you don't care whether people buy or sell. You make money either way. And I just looked at him. I said, well, what if I do care? 
<laughs> he he <laughs> right. said, you can't. So <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, this is like the old boiler room, right? He right. said, no, 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 no. I'm not bringing my family, my friends. I, I built relationships all my life. I mean, that's, that's the most important thing that I did while I was playing is I collected cards. I collected people. I built up that human capital that just said, look, I just want to connect with you. I want to build relationships. I have no idea why, but it probably will be useful to both of us in the future. So I was doing that. And so that really helped drive me to the financial world. And then really the the interesting thing is when I retired, it was February that year, it was 1995. And I was messing around at the Birdo Center with the Bulls and I was playing pool with John Paxson. And Pax asked me, what are you going to do now? I said, well, I'm going to get surgery on my neck. And then I'm trying to find out what I want to do. I had sent letters to my 15 best business contacts. That was back in the day when letters went out. Oh, yeah. People, right, right. Had breakfast with them. <laughs> I said, you know, tell me about what you do. So I was talking to people in the real estate industry, banking, all, the whole gamut. Just saying, you know, tell me about what you do because I, I, I want to start a career. career. I have no idea uh, what you do. Tell me. So maybe that's something I want to do. So after talking with all these folks, realized that, you know, the financial world is where I wanted to be. Playing pool packs, he's, he says to me, well, okay, why don't you go talk to my agent? He's connected, guy by the name of Harvey uh, Weinberg. He's in Highland Park. He's an accountant. He knows everybody. So I go have breakfast with Harvey uh, in Highland Park, Max's. And 60 Minutes, he's telling me about John Mengelt, who back in the day, John you know, Mengelt. John Mengelt, that the name. player. Absolutely. He was now in business. Yeah. And he said, you know, you should talk to John. Well, <clears throat> after about an hour, I get up to pay the bill. As I'm getting up, he goes, oh, talk to Bob Levitz, too. I said, well, you told me about Mengel. Who's Bob Levitz? He says, well, his son is married to my daughter, and they sell insurance in the North Shore. And I'm like, oh, gosh, no, I sold insurance. Oh. But you know what? I got time on my hands. I was getting surgery. I'll go talk to Bob. I go talk to Bob after my surgery. I walk in with a, with a sweatsuit, and I walk in with a, an IV drip Oh wow! right after surgery, sit there for, with Bob for three hours, Never talked to Mengelt. I've been there for 20 years. Wow. Um, Bob's was, you know, I mean, the guy's greatest salesman. Uh, now he's kind of retired and his three boys run the firm. But it was the greatest decision I ever made because it was the financial sector. So it allowed me to be an entrepreneur. So I was actually uh, more entrepreneurial in that. I set up my practice. Uh, the cool thing about it was it was like a business within a business. They had all these businesses set. And you just have to pick out which one you want to specialize in, but you can also utilize the others. So I really started it from scratch, um, and, and the relationships that I made helped. Wow, it's great. Again, great lesson in entrepreneurship and a lot of different things, perseverance, getting through, just understanding the transition of it. You know, what are some of the things, Brent, and you, you spoke a little bit about it, for professional athletes now that they kind of miss that Maybe you didn't. As yeah. far as that next step, what are some of the what are some of the things they miss when, when doing that? I think the biggest thing, without a doubt, is you got to replace the passion. You had a passion for so long of catching a football or blocking somebody or running or doing all these things. You need to replace the passion because I see the problem with guys is they're not going for a passion play. They're just going and, and doing something to buy their time, and and that's okay. Um, but for me, you've got to always have a goal. You've got to always be striving for that goal. You've got to be moving forward. Even though moving forward may be doing something that you know you may not like. And, and to figure that out, good. That's cut off that. Now I know I don't have to deal with that. But for me, it was finding something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. You know, I was 29 years old when I retired. I didn't want a job. I didn't <laughs> want to just work a job and get it. I wanted to find something that I knew, hey, this is something I can do for the rest of my life. And the coolest thing about it is I looked at the demographics and I said, look, you look at financial services, you look at where we're going to be with baby boomers, you're starting to retire. And this is exactly what I had hoped and what I thought was you build relationships with these folks. Now, the thought was 2008 wasn't going to happen right. and there'd be a lot more money transferring right. down, a lot more money right. to help manage. But you know what? That actually solidified it. That actually made it that much more important that we have these relationships with people. So I'm 49 years old now, and I'm looking at a practice that is hitting its stride. More importantly, I look at something that, you know what? I've retired once. It's a consultant. People retire and become consultants. Well, I've been a consultant for 20 years. 
I'm going to continue doing it. I can continue doing this job and have the freedom and flexibility to go golfing during the weekdays, you know, take a couple months and go to Hawaii if right. I need to. I know my clients are going to be taken care of because of the technology. Um, I've got a team. I've built that team uh, in the office that can handle all these different facets of what people need. And that way, you know, I'm the guy that goes and stirs up the business and makes sure that I'm watching over things. But yet, you know, there's somebody else in the factory, so to speak, right. that's handling the nitty gritty stuff. That's turning the screws because, you know, you don't need to do that anymore. I think guys lose sight of the fact that they need to build something that's more of a career. But also, more importantly, you kind of look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, is it a passion? Is there a reason for me to get up every morning? And for me, in doing what I do, because it's financially oriented, it's insurance and investments. I'm helping people. You know, I'm helping people send their kids to college. I'm helping people protect themselves in case the, oh, my God, the world happen. And to me, that's that's awesome. I mean, I love that put on my shoulders, the fact that, you know, people say, look, if something ever happens to me, I want to make sure my family gets across the goal line. And to me, that's uh, there's nothing better. And it's not about how much I'm making. If I do the right thing, I'll be fine. You know, I'm not a nonprofit. We don't work for right. but I'm very clear of, look, this is what we're paid for. This is why we get paid. And if it makes sense to you in the end game, then that's that's okay. It works out for the both. It's a win-win. No, that's that's great. And, and so transitioning from there, and you mentioned entrepreneurship and how you were able to make that move. How important is iCoach360 and, and ESCN of how they're putting together building entrepreneurs uh, of the future. How important is it for those individuals to be a part of something like that? It's, it's critical. I mean, it, it is absolutely crucial that these guys get the coaching, right? Like we talked about the fact that all of a sudden they're let free and now they're doing things that, you know what, you need a coach. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and every entrepreneur has very similar stories. You talk about all their successes and they may have had one or two successes, and they've had 10 to 20 failures. Yep. Small business tends to fail. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, I love working with entrepreneurs because they get it. They, it's like working with an athlete because it's, it's fear. It's living on the bubble. It's a struggle. And it's a lot of hard work and a lot of effort that may or may not be rewarded. A lot of times it's not rewarded. Right. So it's finding that, that, you know, that needle in a haystack. And, and hitting it right. And, and, you know, you get these entrepreneurs, these serial entrepreneurs, and they, they'll hit it right and then they'll get right back into it because it's what they love to do. But yet the smart thing is they'll put some of their money away <laughs> and protect it. But guys need to be coached on how to do this. There's, there's enough information out there. And the fact that, you know, there is coaching available on the entrepreneur level, you don't have to go through the school of hard knocks anymore. And it's customized toward your personality. And what you know, what we've seen in the past is there's a lot of books that come out. And you can read a book. You know, you go read a book by Donald Trump. Well, that's great. That worked for Trump. It may not work for you. Right. Because it's got to be individually right. managed around your personality, what your wants and needs are, what your deficiencies are, what your strengths are. And that's what iCoach360 does. So I think at this point, it is absolutely crucial for these guys that it should be a mandatory core <laughs> course for right. them once they get yeah. out to sit with a coach and make sure that they know what they're doing because the coaching isn't just going down the road saying, Oh, you're going to do what you're going to do. Go ahead and do it. And we'll kind of help you. No, it's taking those hard questions and say, really, should you be doing this or should you be doing something else? And for some guys, you know what, maybe entrepreneurial, Life is not the life they need to lead. Maybe they need to take a job and work for somebody else. Right. Um, but the problem is once you have some money, you don't want people telling you what to do. Right. Well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes maybe that's the right answer. Right. But I think at this point in time, uh, the opportunity uh, that, that we have as ex-players and the ability to have coaching, uh, you know, we're starved for that. You know, everybody talks about the fact that they had a great coach during their lives, like a father to them yeah. or a mentor. And you have such good feelings that that coach pushed you in the right direction. And what the coach did, that coach got more out of you than you would have gotten out of yourself. And more importantly, that coach directed you on a straighter line than you would have taken on your own. 
And that's what these guys need to know. And that's what these guys need as a service. And that's what this service provides. Well, that's, <clears throat> excuse me. That's definitely great advice from somebody that's been there and done that. Uh, and I th think that's a great way to kind of leave uh, the interview. And here, well, I, I will ask one last thing. Is there anything that you wish you knew then that you know now that, that whether it's in your career in football or just starting out in the financial industry or back in high school, are there a couple of things that you said, man, if I would have known that then, it would have been a little different now? Or, or is there? I mean, we have, all have learning experiences. Anything like that comes up to, for you? Well, I, I think the biggest thing would just be, you know what, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> At the end of the day, the sun's going to come up the next right. morning. Yeah. It's going to be okay. <clears throat> I think a lot of that, though, drove me as hard as, as I was driven. Um, but I wouldn't change anything. I mean, even with the injuries and all this stuff that happened, things happen for a yep. reason. Yep. You know, you got to consider your blessings. you got to consider the things that went right and not harp on the things that went wrong. Um, and then that makes you who you are. So at this point in my life, um, I feel blessed. I feel thrilled that, that, that I'm at the stage I, I, I am. But I think it would be to, uh, to my younger self to tell me, you know, things will be okay in the end. <laughs> You're going to be all right. So even though, you know, keep pushing, keep working, because that's the only way you would get there. Right, right. But at the end of the day, that big boulder that you think is, is coming down on you, like Indiana Jones, uh, <laughs> it's never going to hit you. Right. You're going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. Uh, but keep running. No, that's true. That's great advice, Brandon. Again, I, we appreciate you coming out today and spending time and, you know, hit them straight on the golf course and, and good luck to you and your, all your business ventures. And we look forward to building a relationship down the road with you. Thank you. Great. Right, thank you. We're going to take a short pause for a commercial break. We'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network have you ever heard of a voiceover artist people listen to them daily because companies use voiceovers to help show consumers a picture with their voices of the services or products and they love them well it can if you hire the professional voiceover services of michael dawson it doesn't matter if it's a radio or television commercial, an in-store announcement, a character for a video game, or some menu option for a phone system. When you need professionally recorded voiceover work done, call Michael Dawson at 630-715-3378 or visit his website at www.michaeldawsonvo.com. That's Michael Dawson at 630-715-3378 or visit his website at www.michaeldawsonvo.com. And remember, words mean more than what is set down on paper. It takes the human voice to infuse them with shades of deeper meaning. 50 Entrepreneurs, One Weekend Dynamic Results. Will you make over $1 million in your business this year? If not, you need to be here. The Breakthrough Business Challenge Weekend, October 9th through the 10th in Oak Brook, Illinois. Let's face it, we've all been kept awake by business concerns like, how can I launch and grow a successful business? And how will I finance it all? At the Breakthrough Business Challenge Weekend, you will meet with nationally recognized entrepreneurs coaches, and industry leaders to work on your business and learn how to get clear about your future and align your activities to achieve your goals. Join our panel discussion on financing the dream with Wintrust Bank, VEDC, and former NFL player, now angel investor, Mr. Corey Mays. Are you ready for executable strategies that you can use on Monday morning? If so, get started today on your goals of becoming a better leader, creating your desired results, and building the life you dream of at the Breakthrough Business Challenge Weekend. Sign up today by calling 630-613-7360 or visit our website at www.bbcweekend.com. Space is limited. Secure your seat today. 630 613 7360 or visit our website at 
www.bbcweekend.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to ESCN, and I coach 360 production. To reach our live program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send questions or comments to ESCN at i-coach360.com. Now, back to the show. We're back. Thanks so much for everyone tuning back in to ESCN and iCoach360 production. A huge thanks to Brent Novoselsky for the pre-recorded interview that he did at our lunch party. Thank you so much for participating with us, Brent. So we just want to talk about some of the things that uh, Brent brought up in his interview. Wow, I think it was, it was a powerful interview, and and he had rich with information. And the fact that he made that entrepreneurial leap and kind of how he was very, again, methodical about it and very strategic about him, how he did that. So he talked a lot about allowing yourself the space. I mean, just let's just talk about that for a minute. Well, I, from listening to part of the interview, uh, at least one segment of it, uh, it seems like that he was on the cusp a lot of times. It seems like he knew that this wasn't going to be a 10 to 15 year career span for him. So he laid the groundwork early in the early stages of his career to start, as Diane mentioned, uh, picking up business cards from individuals or just thinking or trying to groom himself for life after football. Uh, and that's, that's half the battle uh, in most of these cases for having some initial success when you move into the business realm. At least it gives you a leg up on most of the other people who are not even uh, thinking about that until late in their careers, and then they're, they're way behind the eight ball at that point. And, and not even just late in their careers. When you just think about the fact that your career could be ended in one play. I mean, so it's not even that they have had an extended career. Some of these guys go in and they play one season and they're injured. So what happens when you have been conditioned for all your life to do one thing and and talking about being one dimensional? And so he talked about how he let himself grieve the loss of that career. He gave himself the space to just stop and recalibrate. And I think that that's a, a big component and not just in sports, even though we talk a lot about sports on ESCN, obviously, but when you just think about any transition, just to give yourself the space to breathe and to recalibrate, to go to the next thing. Right. Cause a transition can relate to someone coming out of a corporate environment and wanting to go off into their entrepreneurial effort. We always seem to believe that there's this sense of urgency and everything has to happen yesterday. Um, If we have that vision and we have that plan, if you establish your vision as you are working in the corporation to go out on your own and build something, then you also have to give yourself a space in that plan to transition and to grieve and to take a pause to really understand what it is that you really want um, and and how that may have changed over time. But as Britt was talking about, um, you know, feeling like every year he was on the bubble, uh, you don't necessarily know. A lot of times in corporate organizations, (laughs) every year you could be on the bubble, (laughs) right? Depending on what you do in your career, um, having that vision and having that plan for what could possibly happen next is really, really, really important. And and keeping and building relationships and networking is all a part of the plan. So even if you have a plan to transition from one field of work to another field of work, from a uh, career, uh, 20-year career to entrepreneurship, any of those things you should really have, give yourself space and time to grieve and transition, but also continue to connect and work your plan. Right. Absolutely. And being on the bubble in corporate is one of the reasons I left corporate, quite honestly, because you just never know where you are. I saw people come in and get a pink slip in the morning, and these people had plans to buy a new house or have another baby, and someone else determined um, their financial 
um, ability. And so that was one of the reasons I decided to, to kind of make my own economy and to make the jump and become entrepreneur and ride the wave up or down, I control it. And so that's the, that's the benefit. He talked a lot about, um, reaching back to make business connections. So all along the way, he talked about how he was just collecting business cards for no real strategic apparent reason. And then when that career stopped in that space, he started reconnecting back when letters were important, he said. So he mailed out letters to these people. Um, I wanted to just talk quickly about how networking is not necessarily relationship building. And so you hear a lot about networking events. That's one of the things that iCoach360 tries to pride itself on is really making relationships and building connections versus just holding a networking event and passing out cards. What happens at the end of that? And so I think that it's really important for entrepreneurs to spend their time building relationships, not just going network party to network party. And what do you mean? What do you mean, Angelina, when you say building relationships? So I think there are a few keys, Diane. So first of all, you have to identify what the person across from you wants. So it's not just knowing your why, it's what does that other person want. That's the first component. The second piece of that is come from a place of service. So if you are showing up at a networking event, it's not just, hi, I'm putting my card in your hand, can you buy my service? The question is, where's that client's potential point of pain and how can I be of service, right? And so I think that those are the things that build real connections. What kind of... um Charity organizations does that client believe in? What kinds of things matter to them in their personal life? At the end of the day, no matter what that person's occupation, they are still an individual who is trying to fulfill a personal mission, right? And so if you come from that place of service, you know, Bob, I can really help you out with this. If Bob picks up the phone and says, will you come to my charity event and serve, you need to be ready to serve in that capacity. To me, that's relationship building. That's when people remember your name. That's when they pick up the phone to call you if they need something. It's not just shoving a card in someone's hand saying, call me, I sell widgets. Yeah, I think you've hit the target point. Uh, personally, I thought on those same timelines or guidelines of uh, networking was such a trudge for me. Just showing up at an event, not feeling comfortable approaching someone that I didn't know, giving them a business card, minor chit-chat with them. They go home, I go home. The card goes in, the, their data goes into constant contact, some other data file, or go to the garbage, and we never follow back up. But I think what you just said in terms of approaching individuals from a relationship basis, that carries a lot more weight. At least it changes the mindset from an individual when you attend these particular functions. And it may be a connection and it may not be, but at least you give, your, you give yourself an opportunity to see if there is some synergy between the two. Yeah, and approaching people with, with, from a point of integrity and sincerity. And so that if you really do have a service to offer, as Angelia mentioned, then when they call you, <laughs> you know, responding to the call, answering the call, whether you're, you might not be available, but responding, answering, and really working to be of service is important because that speaks to your level of integrity, which then becomes a memorable point about you, the person, which can then lead to other aspects of the relationship. Absolutely. And where I've seen so many entrepreneurs go wrong is they spend more time telling the client what they're selling versus figuring out what the client is buying. Yes. Because just because I'm selling this doesn't mean my client needs it. But we're, we're getting to the end of the show. I want to just give people some information to tap into some of that knowledge of Brent Novoselsky and his team. Please visit their website at www.gcgfinancial.com or call his office at 847-457-3000. Okay, well, it's been another great show today. We really appreciate those who tuned in. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell anybody. Just tune in to us. I think there will be some valuable uh, insight that you can pick up from us. And by the way, if you feel like you have a compelling entrepreneurial story that you'd like, that you'd like to share with us, go to our website at www.i-coach360.com or send a note to escn at i-coach360.com. Who knows? Your story just might end up on ESCN, an iCoach360 production. As usual, it's been great discussing various business topics with you guys today. We hope you tune in next week at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time for more valuable insight from ESCN, an iCoach360 production. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in to ESCN. Please join Michael Dawson, Angelia Hobson, and Diane Daniels for another edition next Saturday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Or catch a weekly rebroadcast on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about what iCoach360 can do for you and your business, visit i-coach360.com. Have a great week. 